As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. The word of God. Please be seated. This has been, I've really enjoyed our series uh, that we've been on, and I hope you have too. We've, we've covered owning our peace, owning our voice, owning our faith, owning our courage, owning our power, owning our, our humanity. We've, we've been through a lot of stuff, and today I want to carry on by talking about how we can own our passion. Turn to somebody and say, own your passion. Owning our passion. Passion, according to Merriam-Webster, is an intense driving or overmastering feeling or conviction. That's what it means to have passion for something, to have an intense driving or overmastering feeling or conviction. It isn't too much for me today to hope that you leave with a sense of passion about God, with a sense of deep passion about life, and about others. I, I want you to feel convicted and driven and intensely engaged with God, with life, and with others. Wouldn't that just be a beautiful thing to have? Turn to somebody right now and say, I want to get engaged. <laughs> Careful if it's not your spouse. <laughs> Gets weird. <laughs> I want to get engaged. I want us to be engaged. I want us to get passionate. I want us to get really involved in the world that we live in, not just for the world's sake, but because God calls us to these places so that we can be a part of this thriving community. How does one become passionate about anything? How does that happen? How, how do we become a passionate people? And what is the right way and the wrong way to be passionate? Because there are right ways and wrong ways of being passionate. Let's jump into our text today, and let's see where it leads us. In the verse leading up to verse 18, Jesus has begun to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, repent. When Jesus, when, when the author here of Matthew is, is making this term or this phrase known to us, it is not the way that you and I would normally hear. When we hear, repent, for, for the kingdom of God is near, Oftentimes we think of those people who stand on corners. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who stands on a corner and they have a bullhorn and sometimes they have like a dummy with them, right? Like a big, uh, and then they start slamming it on her. Repent or else this happens to you. We had one that lived, I don't know where he lived actually, but he, he, he was at the corner of right when we turned out of our neighborhood, he'd always be there every morning. And he had a little ventriloquist dummy he'd put in his hand. And, and then he'd have on this, this cardboard box, uh, a cardboard, and then all it would just be written out, things we should repent for. Repent, all of you sinners. And he'd be standing right in front of McDonald's. And as the people were pulling in, he'd be like, repent, repent, you glutton pigs. And I'd be like, dang, it's true, but dang. <laughs> Ouch. 
And he'd be yelling all day, and he'd have his hand in the dummy, and sometimes the dummy would be talking to him, and sometimes he'd use the dummy as a prop to, to show people what it would be like. Repent, or this happens to you. And sometimes I feel like the church can get a little bit like that. But in context, Jesus uses this phrase, repent, in the sense of, hey, redirect. Hey, turn around. Hey, I want you to be aware that something else is going on, and that thing is better than where you're headed. It's as if you were heading out to Taco Bell, and someone in your house say, hey, repent. I've got sirloin steak on the stove. And you're like, yes, I'm going to stay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Veggie sirloin steak, of course, Adventists. It's the idea that we've been distracted or we get distracted from our world around us. And Jesus says, I'm coming with a brand new paradigm. There's going to be a shift. It's going to be nuanced, but it's nuanced in that it is intentionally what you were supposed to do initially. I'm bringing you back to what life was supposed to be like as a community. Turn around. Don't be distracted. I got something better for you. And as he's going about, in verse 18, he runs into these two boys, and there they are, fishing on the side. This is the theme that Jesus approaches the, uh, Peter and his brother. The idea that, hey, I've got something new. There's, there, there is this new way to live. You don't have to follow the status quo. You don't have to, to be distracted. I've got a better sense of living identity and purpose for you. Check it out. So he approaches these fishermen, and they are fishing because they're fishermen. Then he says, hey, you who are casting your fish, come follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Interesting. Interesting because, well, that's what fishermen do. In our world today, it's exciting. Um, you can be whatever you want to be if you want to go to school and learn to be that. And you could do that over and over and over. You could change whoever you want to be. Uh, when my dad, um, he was the first, he was one of, one, he, he did really good on this, one of these standardized big tests when he was in high school in Tonga. And so they said, they, we're going to give you a free ride to Cambridge. And he said, Cambridge? They said, yes. So from being a little island boy, he got to go to Gobi School. But he decided instead of Cambridge, Cambridge, he decided to go to Avondale. Why? Because he's Adventist. Cambridge, Avondale. He's like, yes, Avondale, of course. He goes to Avondale, he comes back, it didn't work out for him. He's no longer a student, but he starts a business. And so now he's a, he's a philanthropist, and he's, 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 he's an entrepreneur, and he's growing business, and he's doing great. And now he's a business person. My mom gets sick uh, while she's pregnant with my sister, and we have to find out a, a way to move about that. So he moves us all to America, and now we're here, and we have to start all over. And then he becomes a gardener. He becomes multiple things. And so um, if I were to follow suit my dad, I should be a gardener today. But here I am, a pastor. I went to school, decided to do something different. In the context of the Bible, you were who your father was. And your father was who his father was. And his father, his father. You are, your passion, your life, your purpose is wrapped up in the lineage and inheritance that comes from being part of a particular family. If you were from a priesthood, you became a priest. 
If you were a fisherman, you were a fisherman. The idea of your life is to fish. That's what they're doing. That's their identity. Why are they out there fishing? Because they're a family of fishermen. So Jesus approaches them, and he says this odd, odd little phrase. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Or I will make you fishermen. Come follow me. And I'm going to take you from being a fisherman to fishers of men. And I just thought, wow, that's all it took for Peter and his brother to leave. How badly must they have been waiting to leave? (laughs) They're like, man, I wish there was some what? Okay, we're out of here. And they just took off. They were done with it. But what's beautiful about the complexity of of the phrase is this. Jesus allows them to see who they are and what they've been, takes that and says, I'm going to give you a fresh paradigm where you are familiar with where it comes from, but it will be different from where you're going. So here is passion. Jesus doesn't start with passion. He starts with identity. I I know who you think you are, but I'm going to take that and I'm going to move who you think you were or who you were and make you something new out of what you were. Yes, identity shifts. And now that your identity shifts, you're fishers of people. That's Fish for people is a cool saying, but that's functional, right? I'm going to fish for people. Fishers of people is more personal. That's, that's me. I'm, that's relational. I'm going to go and connect with human beings. I'm moving away with um, uh, trying to uh, get fish to connecting with humanity. So this massive shift in their life transformed who they were. It created purpose. And now that they have purpose, they can now begin to develop passion. Three things from this particular story that I'd like for us to draw out today. First one is this. For those of us who follow Jesus, our passion is discovered, articulated, and grown through the corridor of Christ. And this is worth saying again. For those of us who follow Jesus, our passion is discovered, articulated, And grown through the corridor of Christ. All that we do, all the things that create passion in our life must begin at the doorsteps of Jesus. It is Jesus that we do these things. It is Jesus, as Paul would say, to live and to die. It is Jesus. Jesus shifts Peter in Andrew's identity so that they can begin to develop their passion but it starts with them recognizing Jesus and just in case you thought this was just uh, uh, coincidental that uh, that Peter got gets shifted his identity you can think of many characters in the Bible from Moses to Jacob who became Israel to Saul who became Paul right to uh, Joseph who became Zaphnath Panea we, we get all of these shifts Jacob to Israel we, we get all of these major shifts in identity and it is when they shift in their identity that they can begin to live in their purpose and when they live in their purpose they can then develop their passion. Moses needed to go through some things before he could lead some people. Somebody say amen. You and I might need to go through a few more things before we can start leading other people. Jesus shifts Peter and Andrew's identity, which gives Peter and Andrew a new sense of purpose. As a pastoral team, we want you 
to love this church. We want you to be engaged in this church. We want you to volunteer at this church. Turn to somebody saying volunteer. Turn to somebody else. Put your hand on their shoulder and say volunteer. Oh, mercy. <laughs> ben, I need you to volunteer more. You're not working hard enough. We want that. We, we want this church to be an amazing church, an amazing community, but not for, uh, not for the community's sake, not just because we want to be an amazing place, not so that we can tell other people, hey, the last year University Church Village, we're amazing. We've got this, this, and this going on. No. We want you to do these things because that's where Jesus is. We want you to volunteer and make this place look more and more like Jesus. We want you to love deeply here so that we can create a place where Leilani and Milani, where Lilo, where Victor, who was baptized last week, gets to grow into who Jesus wants them to be. We want you to be an amazing church, but not to simply just be an amazing church. We want to be an amazing church in the corridor of Christ. As Jesus is amazing, which means serving a lot more. Which means giving of our time, which means giving of our, of our finances. It means picking up our cross and coming to follow Jesus. You hear me, church? Somebody say amen if you're with me. We need you. I need you. I need you to follow Jesus into this space. I, I, I don't want us to just come to church because it's a thing we do. This can't just be the thing we do. Some of us have lost our passion for Jesus and have settled to just coming to church. Hey, our passion for Christ should make this the most amazing place to be every week. We care about social justice. Yes, we do. Yes, we do care about social justice. We care about injustices that are happening. We care about racism. By the way, show up at 7 p.m. tonight. It's going to be a great conversation. We're going to have scholars all over Adventism that's going to speak with really good theology to the issues that our world faces when it comes to racism. We do care about that. We care about equity and equality. We care about inclusivity. Yes, we do. We care about justice, yes we do, but not for the end sake of just caring about social issues. We care about it because Jesus cares about it. This is Jesus' agenda. We follow Christ to where Christ goes. And so when Christ lands at this place, we must be bold and courageous enough to say, we too will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. I have too many social justice warriors in the world who are horrible people, friends of mine, but are just, you know, angry all the time. And I'm like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But the ends should not justify the means. If we're going to live Jesus to the cross of justice and goodness, we must live Jesus all the way to the cross of justice and goodness. John chapter 18. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the priest's slave and cut his right ear off. The slave's name was Malachus. This was, uh, this was Peter's way of saying, hey, 
We're going to do this, Jesus. I've got your back. We're going to make this better. Trust me. Follow me. And because of that, he slices someone's ear off. Jesus looks at Peter, not at the soldier, with judgmental eyes. He says, what are you doing? I never asked you to cut someone's ear off. We're going we're, we're gonna to accomplish justice my way. You have to follow me. You have to follow me through. So when we think about following Jesus, we think about all that we do must be articulated and grown through the door corridors of Christ. Number two, there is a difference between passion and obsession. Everyone say amen. And it's, a, it's really close, right? Because you're like, I'm super passionate about this. I love this. And then if you go too far, you're like, I'm crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Passion is like sriracha sauce and like, and like obsession is like a ghost pepper. It's not the same thing. It'll kill you. Passion is like a perfectly timed pranked joke and an obsession is my wife. I don't mess around with my wife, everybody. Can I just tell you? I'll be honest with you. Because my wife doesn't have a moderation thing. It's like, if you start something, I will kill you. She just jumps to that, right? I, 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 we had this season early in our marriage where we were cute with each other, and I'd hide, and I'd kind of jump out of corners and scare her, right? But one day, I was, I was waiting around the, the corner of a building. She comes by and said, boo. And she says, ah. <laughs> What's that about? She said, I love scaring people. Prepare yourself. <laughs> weeks, weeks, I couldn't sleep. I can tell you, I couldn't sleep. Scared of this little lady, man. I'm scared of her. I come home 2 a.m. from church one Saturday evening after we had finished with a huge Easter service. I'm beat, I'm tore up. The world is asleep. I come through the door at 2 a.m. in the morning, it's dark. As soon as I pull in, she, ah! And I, I had to almost go to the hospital. I started crying, <laughs> why? Why are you trying to ruin our marriage? And she's just there, <laughs> I got ya. Crazy. Passion and obsession. There's a difference. I return back to, to that particular note where Peter, in his self-proclaimed passion, cuts off the ear of someone else. That's not passion, that's obsession. Passion is when one is willing to live and to sacrifice oneself for the goal. Obsession is when one is willing to sacrifice others for their goal. Are you sacrificing others because of your obsession? Passion and obsession is different. And so Jesus, he carries these two into a new purpose, Peter and Andrew and the sons of Zebedee, and they, they begin together to learn what it means to live passionately in the world. They begin to experience justice when Jesus touches the leper, when he touches women, when he touches children, 
when he pulls them into the center of the community by which the community didn't want that, they begin to experience Jesus doing the work of goodness, reconciliation, and healing. They're also learning along the way that maybe some of their perspectives and views about life has been a little bit obsessive because they've been so needing to be right that others must be wrong. Church, may I just say, sometimes we are too, too caught up in trying to be right that we can't bring reconciliation to anyone. You want to reconcile people? You got to stop trying to be right all the time. I'm talking to achy timing. We just try loving a little bit more. And so finally, finally we get to passion. Jesus is moving them through this. And now that they have identity and purpose, they're driven, they're locked in, he begins to develop passion in their lives. And this is an important little point for me. Passion is developed. Turn to someone and say, passion is developed. If there's a teenager near you, make sure they hear that. My teens, my young people, you need to know passion is developed. We grow up in a world where everyone says, man, you're phenomenal. You're fantastic. Man, that's great. And things get easy for us because we have a lot of tools to make it easy. So we think, oh, I'm super passionate about this. And then we get into it. And then when we run into like a struggle or it starts to get hard, we're like, oh, maybe I'm not passionate about this. I thought I was passionate because I was good at it, but now that I find that there's some challenges, maybe this isn't my passion. Passion isn't uh, fully formed when you and I get it. Passion must be developed. Passion isn't something that we find. I hear some people say, man, all you got to do is find your passion. Once you find your passion, you'll be happy. No, truth is, find your identity in Jesus. And as we do, we begin to have purpose. And when we have purpose, we can begin to develop a sense of passion for something. And that means that passion will inform us to keep pushing on even when we're challenged. Even when there's an obstacle in the way. Even when it begins to get hard or inconvenient, we don't have to say, maybe this isn't my passion. What we say is our passion and our purpose and our identity will drive us through this. Passion must be developed. Stop trying to find your passion. Instead, start to develop your passion. Passion doesn't come fully formed. So today, we must begin to work at developing this deep sense of passion for our purpose and for our identity. Matthew 16, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Because Jesus begins to tell him, I've got to die. This is, this is the trajectory I'm on, guys. You're going to follow me. Just know that what's going to happen is I'm going to die. And Peter's like, yo, Jesus, that is horrible PR. No one's going to want to follow somebody who keeps telling everybody that he's going to end with death. We followed you because we thought you are going to start this new paradigm. Remember the new paradigm you told us about? Remember this new thing? Remember uh, uh, stop being distracted and to follow you? But what you're saying is follow you to the grave. And Jesus says, yes, exactly. New paradigm. So Peter gets, gets a little bit besides himself. You know you get beside yourself when you tell God what's up, right? Like, hold on, Lord, let me tell you. That's not how my life is supposed to go. Jesus, obviously, you haven't been listening because I've been paying my tithe and, you know, I've been, I've been committed and I've been volunteering and my life is still whack. Peter tells Jesus, hey, 
Stop saying these things. Don't do that. It's messing us up. This must never happen to you, Peter says. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. May I tell you, in the process of finding your passion and developing your passion, there are some times when you're going to get it right, such as the situation just before where Peter claimed who Jesus was, and sometimes you're going to be way off base. Jesus called Peter Satan. I don't know if there's any, any worse uh, uh, put down than that. When God, the God Almighty, the universe, Messiah, says, hey, Satan, dang, ouch. If you haven't been called Satan lately, you're doing okay. And yet, because Peter hangs in, stays connected to his purpose, his passion continues to grow. He messes up again and cuts someone's ear off. He's falling, and yet he stays connected to his purpose and his identity, so his passion begins to grow. Until him and Jesus are sitting uh, on the shore side, and Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? And this is where transformational purpose is fully formed. There it is. Peter is now living in and through his passion. Let's develop a passion. That means we give space for people to develop. Victor's developing. He just got baptized last week. Praise God. Amen. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Haley and Cody, they're going to be baptized today. How dare we if we think they should be fully formed right now? <laughs> right? You're getting baptized. That means you're complete and ready for your passion. No! We should not expect it of them. We shouldn't expect it of Lilo and uh, of, of Leilani and Milani. We expect that they're going to develop into their passion, even why it's more important for us to collectively create a space where Jesus is the corridor to all of our passion. Because in that place, we can be mature Christians, we can be new Christians, we can make a ton of great, victorious, successful moves for the Christian church, and we could be failing, but in this place together, Jesus is moving about, creating more passion. So, hang in there. Develop a passion, even if it's hard. But when we find identity and purpose in Jesus, passion will grow because we are willing to journey together. I, um, secret, I, I hate public speaking. I, I grew up third child from the top. My two uh, older siblings are super outgoing human beings. They, they, they're talkative, they're, they're, you know, leaders, they want to jump in the conversation, which meant that me being in third place always meant I didn't want to talk very much. When um, I got into, when, when I got scared at school and somebody was bullying me, my sister would go handle the business. <laughs> because she was not only beautiful, but she was scary to people. I didn't do that. I, I, I tried once. Somebody convinced me once in seventh grade, hey, you should do our worship thought in chapel, a seventh grader. I got up in front, and, I, and I, because I got so nervous, I hated being in front of people, I, I told the whole story wrong about um, uh, Samson and Delilah. I had them ending at the end getting married and being happy. 
<laughs> and people were just like, amen, brother, amen, amen. Come on, take a seat. Come on down. Stop me from ever going in front again. I told him, I said, I told you I don't like being in front. And then in high school, come on one more time. I got up and it was just tra a travesty. It was horrible. When I got here to last year university and we started doing like fun ministries where we would start traveling places, I never spoke, never spoke. Pastor Donovan, Donovan at the time would be the speaker because his dad was a pastor. So he knew how to preach. So he would do all the speaking. I would come along. I would sing. I would hang out. I, 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 not, that's not the thing. I had to develop a passion for being up front, not because I like being here, but because Jesus needed me to be able to communicate the gospel in this way. Passions developed. We're developing together. I want us to develop collectively. Friends, I, I want you to develop with us. Hey, volunteer more. Let's develop a passion here for the church, but not just for the church's sake, but because Jesus is leading us into Jesus' corridor so that we can make a difference in this world around us. And yeah, as we do, it may not feel comfortable. It may not feel the same as we do, but I'd love for us to do that. This year, I'd love for us to see us do some service projects where we get out into the community. Can we do that? Yeah, we can. I know you can. I know we can. I want to see us continue to grow and flourish and, and do the wonderful things that we do. And so I invite you to give. Yes, I invite you to give because your giving makes a difference. Not to our pockets. No, me and Pastor Steve are still broke. <laughs> but it makes a difference to the ministries we do here. It makes a difference to being able to reach people. That's, that's what we're about here. Let's develop together. I want you to volunteer. I don't know what to do, Pastor. Just, just put your name in. My name is John. I'm volunteering for nothing. Just put me in the nothing area. We'll put you in. We need, we need a ton more greeters to help out in the front for those amazing greeters we have. We need you. And together, let's develop our passion for Jesus in the activities we do in this world. Can we do it? 